Welcome to In Conversation with Kathleen. I'm Kathleen Kettles. I'm a psychotherapist and I love people and their stories. In each episode, I'll be speaking with a guest about what the word success means to them. And at the end of each interview, I'll be discussing the episode with co-creator and editor, Remy. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Kathleen. This week, I'm delighted to welcome my guest, James Donald. James is a Scottish weaver based in Edinburgh who owns and operates a creative textile company called Pick One. Welcome, James. Really good to see you. Morning, morning, morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm sitting on the stairs on my wee house in Isla because um, the Wi-Fi is rubbish. So this seems to be the place where I can get to. So I'm going to dive straight in mm-hmm. and ask you my first question. Tell me where you are today, James, what your life looks like and what you're doing. Oh, Lordy Lord. Well, I'm currently sat in my um, basement studio uh, in Leith at Coburg House Art Studios, uh, which is just on the shore. I'm in slight recovery mode after a very heavy, heavy, worky, worky weekend um, because I kind of organise a direct selling event called Cloth. And um, at the weekend we had we kind of opened up for the weekend um, at a new venue at Restoration Yard in um, Dalkeith. So as well as organising that, um, I was also exhibiting my own work. So I kind of had two different hats on and just trying to kind of manage and juggle that kind of dealing with uh, customers, dealing with fellow exhibitors who I was exhibiting, exhibiting alongside. So I'm in a bit of recovery. I've got a bit of kind of foggy head because I went home last night and inhaled a bottle of wine um <laughs> I didn't even touch the sides I'm afraid um so I'm a bit I'm a bit foggy headed but I'm, I'm all right I'm you're all right well you're yeah. looking great I must say you're looking great so this okay. podcast is all about asking my guests what the word success means to them and it's such a wide Ooh. and varied thing that can cover financial of course it can be to do with relationships yeah. lifestyle Anything, it can be anything at all. So what does the word success mean to you, James? I don't know, that kind of shifts quite a lot. I mean, I've I've actually got, I think I've got quite a good story about success. Yeah, go on. Which has maybe shifted. But years ago, um, I used to teach at an art school in Dundee. And I think that would, oh gosh, when would that have been? Uh, Early 90s, I think. And I set the students a project to go and do all this research so they went off and did all this research and they came back with all these magazine articles about me. I had been, and I, that wasn't the purpose of the research, but the <laughs> students would find all these articles about me. And I was going through a period of time when I was being written a lot about and interviewed and photographed and whatnot with my work, with my weave work, which was great. Anyway, the students come back with all this information. I thought, oh my Lord. Uh, and they said, oh, you're really successful. You're really, really successful. And I says, well, what, what do you mean? What, what does that mean? What does it mean to be successful? And they said, well, you, you're successful because you're in all these magazines. And I goes, no, 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 no. That's, for me, that's not success. For me, success at that time was getting to the end of the month and being able to pay my mortgage. Yeah. Success. And then another story about success was years ago when I first started out, there's a, a crafts council, uh, there's a crafts magazine called Crafts. And when I kind of set up my own practice, my weave practice, um, one of my ambitions in life at that time, yeah, so I wanted to be on the cover of this magazine, Crafts. That was one of my ambitions in life. 
And then one time there was a guy, an American chap, I don't know if I should say his name, but anyway, this American guy who I've since become pals with appeared on the cover of the magazine. He was living in England at the time and he was on the cover of the magazine. I thought, oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's what I want to do. Anyway, years later I met him and I had the same conversation with him that my students had with me. And I said, oh, you must be really successful. And he said, why? And I said, well, you're on the cover of the magazine. Did you get anything from that? I mean, did you get galleries? Did you get sales? Did you get this? Did you get that? And he was like, no, I got fuck all. And I was like, oh, oh. And then he appeared on the cover again years later and got hee-haw. I'm not going to swear again. He got got hee-haw from it. So my definition of success kind of shifts all the time. I still think for me to be successful is paying my mortgage at the end of the month, more so because the bloody Tories have shoved it up by £160 a month. That's a bit scary. And I'm Mm -hmm. stuck with that for two years. So that's that's, sorry, I had to get that rant out of the way. Yeah, that's okay. That's still for me successful is paying my mortgage at the end of the month. But also I established my weave business in 1997. Mm-hmm. It's now 2022. Next year is 2023. And that's 30 years since I graduated from art school in Dundee. Right. And I'm still going. I've still got my studio. So success is about paying my mortgage, paying my studio rent, which has also just gone up. You know, still being able to do what I absolutely adore doing. Um, I can't get enough of it. For me, that success is is still, well, today, me defining success is not about covers and magazines or articles and newspapers or magazines. It's about me still doing what I enjoy. Another part of my success or defining success is at the weekend, as I said, we did the cloth show. And one of the students there um, was a lady called Susie Redman, and I'm actually wearing one of her scarves. I had to buy it. She came into the weekend weave class with me, I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago, maybe. She did a weekend course, and then she came back and she did three, four evening classes, and then she did a week-long course with me, and then she came back to do another evening class with me where she just wanted to make mistakes, and she wanted to know how to fix them. And now she's an exhibitor at my show. That, I I love that. And for me, that's successful because she's a fantastic lady who's fulfilled her ambition to become a weaver. And now she's just, and I can take no credit for the quality of what she's doing because she's got this beautiful, stunning aesthetic all of her own, which she's developed in her own time. But she did come and do a weekend weave class with me. And now look at her. And actually, she was on the telly the other week, being interviewed on the telly about linen and how to grow it, how to, I think it's ret it, ret it, weave it. And there's some linen in this piece that she grew. That looks beautiful. I love the colours that she's I'm, chosen. I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed. <laughs> that's great. I wanted to say, though, that's lovely to hear you describe success in, in your mind as something that has evolved over time. So it's not been very kind of um, straightforward for you that this is what success means this is how it is and hearing that story about a student of yours who's now worked hard and produces fantastic pieces is now in your little circle of people who come in and exhibit with you which is great yeah Yeah. tell me then James the next bit I want to ask you is how did you get to this point well well, oh gosh I think for me it's just about being proactive and getting on with it and it's probably that um, you know protestant work ethic you just get on with it you just deal with it you just do it Mm -hmm. i mean sometimes 
life kind of throws you curveballs and it can be a bit shite at times, but like the Tory government are a bit shite and you just have to get on with it and deal with it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that's not a reason not to do things. You know, so my mortgage, again, sort of bang on about it, going up so much. And I know I've got off lightly compared to others, but I'm just going to have to deal with that. And I'm going to have to, no pun intended, but cut my cloth to what I can deal with. You know, it's uh-huh. it's it's evolving. And where I'm at, it's, it is about for me being proactive. And I could just sit in my flat and cuddle my dog all day, but or, but no, I'm going to get out and about and I'm going to get on with it and do it. So today... You know, I'm doing this and then I'm going to tidy up the studio and then I've got a whole list of other things that I've got to get on with and sort out and deal with. Good. So that, that's another another question then. Obviously, right now in this time that we're in, mm-hmm. one of the obstacles you've overcome is the business of the Tories putting your mortgage up and how that's mm-hmm. affected you financially. But what mm-hmm. other obstacles have you had to overcome? And this can be to do with personal circumstances, health, family relationships. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What you're comfortable sharing, of course. Yeah, what other obstacles? Well, I don't know. I think I start to get on very thin ice on this 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 topic. I think it's about being a bloke in a world where I'm kind of surrounded by um, oh God, women, and I I I don't <laughs> see gender. I see people. I, I kind of feel excluded a lot of the time because I'm a man doing what I do. My best friends are women. I work with women. I love women. And I want everybody to do well, but I kind of feel excluded a lot of the time. More so because I'm a weaver. Mm-hmm. And I read, I saw something, uh, a soundbite the other day by Kay Fassett. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I can't exactly remember what he said, but he was a bit of an oddity because he was a man in a woman's world. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel excluded a lot of the time because there's kind of support groups in the crafts world for women and I kind of get it. I kind of understand, but it's like, hello, I'm. I kind of see myself as yeah. a bit of an ally. I, I want. I, I kind of want to support. And the way, the person I was talking about who was successful is a woman, and I'm. I'm like, whoa, this is yeah. great. So, is this predominantly within the weaving community, or are you talking about in all crafts? It's mostly women. Oh God, I just feel really uncomfortable talking about this because yeah, it's most crafts actually. Is it right? Okay, no, I mean, I mean so, social media is terrible because there's all these things about supporting women's businesses and and that's great. And and I'm kind of going, hi, hello. I'm in the background, and yeah. and I guess that's what a lot of women have had to deal with over the years and stuff. And I kind of get it, but the thing is, I I I feel that I'm a bit of an ally. I kind of want to help as well. Yeah, and you're very inclusive. You're very inclusive in what you do and the way you you work and the way you run your studio. You're an inclusive person. When you're saying that, it's really interesting because the times I've met you and where I've seen you in the workplace, there's obviously been a lot of women around sharing their crafts and arts with the world, and you're a driving force behind that. So to hear you say you feel in the periphery in some aspect, that makes me really sad because Mm -hmm. you're such a driving force for the crafting and weaving community, textile art. Yeah, but I mean, it's the social media stuff that I see and there's, you know, there's there's organisations that have been set up to help businesses move forward and creative practice moving that forward. And I'm going, oh, that's really interesting. I'd really like to know about that more. Oh, you can't. Oh, why can't I? Oh, because you're a man, it's for women only. And I'm like, oh, so is there a men's equivalent? And there's like, no. And that's happened a lot. And, you know, online there's days, I don't know what day it is, but um, days where um, 
women are supporting and supporting pushing forward other women businesses and that's great mm-hmm. and in my world there's very few men involved in what I do mm-hmm. and while I want to you know I do kind of constantly feel a lot actually that I'm in the background going hello hello that's interesting that's really I did not expect you to say that it's interesting you, you describe that, that. I've, oh I've been shouted down about this wow I think perhaps you've had to because I see you as a very successful person I've bought several of your pieces now and they're high quality beautiful colors Mm. beautifully made I absolutely love them and I'm not just saying that to blow hot air up your you know but (laughs) I'm saying it because it's true so to hear you say that I think to myself I wonder if the reason James is so successful is because you've had to push hard against this tide almost work harder maybe than some other people in the field because you're not getting that support or you haven't had that support that they've had yeah well I I mean I, I kind of I do what I yeah I do work quite hard I think but do I well do I work hard I don't know I'm just being proactive I'm just getting on with it I'm doing it I'm I, I don't know what else to do part of the problem and it's a small problem is that what I do is, is kind of intertwined with my social life so the people that I work with I socialize with and my world is quite small and that's not a complaint I'm quite happy about that I mean I had a shop for 20 odd years with my, my friend um, Fiona Fiona McIntosh and we would socialize together we'd work together you know and we traveled together when we did shows overseas in Japan and America and stuff and and she's I think kind of similar to me in that we just get on with it we just do it we over and sometimes I I don't even know I'm doing it like overcoming obstacles like problem solving mm-hmm. so that brings me to the internal dialogue thing when when you are facing us an uphill struggle in some aspect what is the internal dialogue like are you able to quickly silence the self doubt do you just kind of because you, you do say a lot, you just have to get on with it and being proactive. But when we have that voice in our head, like really kind of making it difficult, how do you overcome that? Oh, I don't know, actually. How do I get... Well, I, I, oh, I keep coming back to this phrase, which is probably not very helpful. I just get on with it. It's just... Mm-hmm. I mean, th- do things do affect me. And, and again, going back to the, the previous point I was making about the, the support for women business and stuff that does get to me and I know it's not about clicks and likes and comments but you know I kind of look on some of the social media pages and there's groups of women that will comment positively on what they're doing and they're like oh yeah and I'll and I won't get and I won't get that mm-hmm. and that'll make me glum and then I just have to switch off from that I kind of switch off the phone and, and just stop looking and I become a bit passive with it all um, yeah. And there's and I, and I don't know if this is an appropriate story either, but um, when, uh, oh God, who was the woman that used to go out with Brad Pitt? Angelina Jolie. Who oh, the other one? Oh, Jennifer <laughs> Aniston. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember what happened, but did she get dumped by Brad Pitt? Yes, for Angelina Jolie. Oh, is that what happened? Oh, God. <laughs> well, she, I remember reading an interview about Jennifer Aniston and she was really upset really and she owned it she owned that um glumness that depression that pissed offness for 24 hours and then the next day she just got on with it and she sorted herself out and I love that she owned it Mm -hmm. and and I think um not depression but um and she kind of owned it for 24 hours was like right that's it I'm getting on with it this is I'm sort of and I love that. I mean, I don't really care for Brad Pitt and uh, Jennifer Aniston, 
you know, much, but I just found it a really interesting interview that she owned it. Mm-hmm. So that internal dialogue for me is is like, yeah, I'm really fucked off today. I'm really pissed off today. Tomorrow's another day, and in the next hour or two, I won't be. That was I, brilliant. I, I yeah, but I but I do, th- and I mean it's interesting talking earlier when we were off off the speakerphone thing to Remy about what she's doing and about the mental health. And I do often worry about mine because sometimes I think, how much more of this can I take mm-hmm. before something has to go pop? Mm-hmm. And but it's not popped yet. Yeah. And I don't think I have issues with my mental health. Other people may say I do, but I don't think I do. Mm-hmm. And I think that attitude of owning it and getting rid of it mm-hmm. is maybe maybe what has gets me through stuff. Yeah, I think that's a really good attitude. And before we came on air today, I watched, I've watched it before, but I watched it again, the Vimeo uh, video of you down on the beach with Domino, your dog, on your oh, website. Oh, yeah, And oh. you're walking along and you talk about oh. weaving, being so meditative. Yes. And when yes. you're talking about this stuff where you're having, you know, a lot of stuff coming up and... Um, you know, you feel a bit glum and then you get on with it. The very thing you're involved with, the art that you're doing, the making that you're doing is meditative. So even that in itself is mm-hmm. healing and supportive mm-hmm. and really mm-hmm. bringing you back to a place of peace and knowing that you're producing something that will also support you financially and you'll get very positive strokes from people who want to buy it and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I also want to to ask you something. I know you have so many fingers and so many pies and so much work to do. And I don't know enough about the textile art community, you know, male versus female and the gender leanings of of who Mm -hmm. does what. But would there be a place for you with the energy I know you have behind things that you're passionate about, for you to set up a a men-only weaving or textile art community? (laughs) Um, we see. I'm, yeah, but I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm not really interested in women-only groups or men-only. No, groups. I know. I know, and me neither. It's so it's bad, it's, and then I'm kind of grimacing as I'm saying yeah. that. So it's not a bad thing. And I do know a few chaps who make. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't. I know a few chaps that knit and weave, but I don't. I've not met them physically. Right. So, online it, or... it, it should be more inclusive like it should be more of an open door well, I, think for, the making, I think i think the the making world should be more inclusive yeah and mm-hmm. i just find it really really interesting when um you see a board of directors and they're all men mm-hmm. and they're all being called out for being the fact that they're all men and there should be more either black people yeah. ethnic minorities mm-hmm. there should be more women and I'm, I'm like, absolutely, yes. But on the same token, when I see that same board of directors of a, a crafts organisation or a jewellery show, they're all women. I, I, I kind of find that really exasperating. Yes, you're right to call out that board of directors that are all men, but no one's calling out the board of directors that are all women. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You are such an inclusive person. I know that of you. I um, so it's, like to think so. It is just difficult. I suppose it's... Perhaps it's just the percentages of people who are in that industry makes it very difficult to create a balance. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree about that at all. I think that's right. And that goes down to kind of 
education from primary schools up. And I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and, you know, even at the weekend there, there was me and then there was a husband and wife team um, that were exhibiting. So there was actually only, you know, two blokes there mm -hmm. that were exhibiting. Yeah. And yeah. it's not, I'm not getting male makers applying for these shows. And that's a shame. And I, I want to encourage that. You know, I, I, I do want to encourage that. Are they out there, the male makers? Oh, they are out there, but yeah. they've got different ways of doing things uh, about right. in terms of how they sell the work, make the work, their visibility, um, comfort. You know, there's all sorts of things going on there. I feel really bad about talking about these things because I always feel like I'm going to get some backlash about it. But no, you're just being honest about what you've experienced. Sorry, yeah, in my world, it's, it's uh -huh. predominantly women, and that's great. I have zero problems with that, but it's... What I have the problem with that it's it, it's all the support that they kind of give each other because women makers, but they're yeah I do, I just don't feel it back because mm -hmm. you came from a smaller community too into a sort of <laughs> didn't you and that I, can feel quite different. Oh no, well I mean yeah I mean I I come from a place on the east coast of Scotland called Brechin in Angus and um, yeah that was fine I mean I mean I kind of yeah then I moved to Dundee I mean I kind of noticed these things when I was at art school because mm -hmm. I was the only bloke in, right. in the textiles department I was surrounded by women which I had zero problems with I mean I'd done a few courses before that and they were they were they were mixed mm -hmm. fairly evenly I would say but that that was by accident rather than by design at that point that was in the late 80s early 90s and then when I went to art school, it was me and 11 women and our mutual good friend, Bibi uh, Gein. Yes, Bibi. Bibi. She was a technician there. And those women made my life bloody hell at art school. They absolutely hated me. And no, it was they didn't. Like, oh, they did. They absolutely, you asked Bibi about this. They oh, no. Oh, God, it was awful. And my pals from art school are pals that were not in the same department as me. I mean, I'm not saying this is any, oh, poor me, poor me. It's just the way it was. And very quickly I realised, I thought, oh, shit. I think I know what that was about. But my pals from art school, and I've got really good pals from art school, but they weren't in the same department as we. And right. they were women as well, which is great. And they're fantastic women. Uh -huh. love, them. love all my pals from art school. But the women that I was directly in contact with in my course, it was hellish. Oh dear. So that brings me then to this next point. When we talked oh. about the negative dialogue, when the you know when we're in that dark place and you feel feel a bit glum, the fact that you, even at that early stage, you know, in art school, they're doing your weaving, you must have always had a deep rooted determination to succeed. Yeah. And is that that's what's carried you through? By the sounds of it, that's carried you through. Yeah. The Thirty well, years since leaving. Yeah, well, mainly because um, I absolutely love what I'm doing. And, um, well, at school, I, I, I that was in the 80s, and I was branded thick. Um, and I wasn't very good at maths. I wasn't very good at English. I wasn't very good at anything, really, except in the art department. But there was a real drive. And I think the drive kind of was, um, what's the word? It was kind of pushed to the fore when I did my course. I did an HND down in... Newcastle and educationally that was just horrific it was awful and I was bottom of the heap I was just shit at everything I did it was awful and I think the problem arose that when I went to art school I thought right this is my last chance this is my degree this is my last chance to do well and to succeed educationally because it was just awful in Newcastle and 
I got a bit of a shock when I was at art school because everything I did was very well received. And I thought, oh, actually, I, I can do this. It was a bit like, oh, what's going on here? Because all through my schooling, it was just, I was thick, thick, thick. And at Newcastle, when I did the HND, that, I mean, it was just horrific the way that we collectively were treated by those staff members. And actually, that was quite a good education when I look back on it, because it's made me realise how not to treat students. Oh, wow, really? I thought it was awful. I had no intentions of ever being an educator, teacher, but at my degree course, it, it was a bit of a surprise. It was just like, oh, oh, I can I can do this. And and the feedback I was getting from staff was like, oh, no, this is good. You're on the right track. Great, great, great. But I already had that drive because I thought, well, this is my last chance to get it right. Mm-hmm. And you clearly do love textiles. You love oh, yeah, weaving. Yeah, yeah. It is just so lovely. to. I visited you there in that studio there and... It's a beautiful setup, lovely atmosphere in there. I love and, it. I love it. Yeah. But just to kind of go back, I mean, that, that thing about me being thick at school. I mean, I did my master's in 2007, 2008. Right. And at the university, I was having problems with the whole computer thing. And this, this, the tutor was saying, there's something not quite right here. So I went off and got tested for dyslexia. And that came back as positive. Oh, really? 44, 45, 46, I can't remember. 2008, what age was I then? Who knows? Don't know. I can't do the maths. No, anyway. no, okay. um, but that was an absolute revelation. That was fantastic. I thought, well, that's so exciting. Yeah. Finally, yeah. to learn something new about myself. Anyway, I found that really exciting. And, and it's like I had developed all these, because I can't do maths. And we've been mm-hmm. mathematical. I've obviously developed, and I can't tell you what they are because I don't know, but I've obviously developed all these coping mechanisms that I didn't even know were coping mechanisms. It's a really mm-hmm. dynamic way of being, isn't it? You've become this person, successful person. And, I, and I'm and i saying that deliberately because you are a success. You oh. have people who follow you, who want to buy your stuff, who recognise the quality of what you do, and people mm-hmm. coming to learn from you as well. So yeah. if you were to look back from the very beginning really of particularly your career as a weaver what would your advice or would you do things differently would you give yourself different advice would you do things differently no no I wouldn't do anything differently because what I mean I regretted going to Newcastle for those two years because it was it was horrific I mean the tales I could tell you they would would make your toes curl (laughs) staff members did to us I mean, that was about, you know, staff members getting pissed at lunchtime and then giving us a really horrific crit in the afternoon. And, oh, oh, it was awful. Anyway, and I regretted it at the time. I don't regret that now, actually. I'm kind of glad I went through that. Mm -hmm. I feel bad that it happened. But actually, it's made me the person that I am today in terms of being a tutor, Mm -hmm. a teacher in, in my studio, it kind of, as I said earlier, it kind of taught me how not to treat people. It made me realise as well, and actually doing my degree a little bit, and this isn't a bad thing, that people peak at different rates or yeah. people peak at different times in their life. Mm-hmm. So I was branded thick. I was always in the remedial class at school. And actually, <laughs> at school, um, there was a, a parents meeting that my mum and dad went to. My mum still talks about this. And the teacher says, oh, James is not the sharpest tool in the box. He'll never amount to anything. He'll never do anything with his life. And then 
if and that teacher is still alive and my mum still sees him in the street and she's the first one to, she's the first one to rub his face on it. Oh, James is doing this and James has done that and James is here. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. <laughs> and I just, and it's just that thing. I, I genuinely believe that people peak at different rates. Mm-hmm. You know, you might Absolutely. do really bad, badly at school, but that's not to say you're a bad person or you're... No. And it's the same with, with art school as well. Like people that didn't do very well go on to do have hugely successful careers mm-hmm. and people that do really well at art school go and get a job in Greg's. And you ha- you you have had a determination, a yeah. thread of determination that has kept you going since primary school, since you didn't know you had dyslexia, you have yeah. adapted and evolved and created ways yeah. of being yeah. that has well, got you to this in, point. In, in, in creative ways, I think that's true. I mean, I, I think there's always been that kind of, as you say, thread in my life that I've been creative. And for a wee while, I wasn't quite sure where that, what direction that thread was going to be pulled in. And as it is, it's weaving. It could have been something else, but it's weaving. I mean, I've got a huge love of um, ceramics. It could have quite easily have been functional, decorative, um, studio-based ceramic work that I could have gone into had I been exposed to that um, at a younger age. But it's always been textiles. Good stuff. Thank you, James. Well, I want to... I want to uh, make sure that everybody knows where to find you, find out what you're up to. So can you tell us all about where people can find you, what's happening next, how they can learn from you? Um, If people are interested to learn more about my weaving classes, I would advise them to have a wee look at my uh, website, www.pick1.co.uk, so they can go there. That's it, really. That and then and then oh, I've got more events next year, but I haven't quite organised that yet. But I'm getting there, and oh, and I'm actually in a position to employ someone. So the next after today is just to go through the emails that I've been sent. I think I've got about seven or eight people um, come and work here. So I, that that's a paid position. Brilliant. So I'm quite excited about that. There you go. So I'm hoping your mum's got that information for the teacher. <laughs> <Bob's into. laughs> yeah, he's got some staff now working for him. You know, the boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. So yeah, yeah. So there's, that's happening. Great. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, that'll all be there for people to check in on and see oh. your work and maybe come and see you as well and learn from you. Um, yeah. But thank you so much. That's been such a really good interesting sometimes sad journey well thanks for inviting me you're welcome well that was great I loved talking to James there it was really interesting and the question about success and his answer about how it's evolved over time was very interesting because you do think of success the idea of success being something that you have and you keep but it was completely different for James really was an evolving story yeah. And I think what he was saying about the shows and things and getting and students and lifting other artists up, I think that was really important. And um, I don't know if he said it explicitly, but it felt like his idea of success was also being able to do that for other artists as well, in a way. Yeah, he is such a driving force behind supporting other artists and particularly textile artists, I think. But yeah, I... I hope people can go and look at his website and really see the quality of what he does. It looks so complicated too. But I loved that, that bit I mentioned where he talks about it being meditative. And this particular piece on the website that he's working on, he's been working on for three months. So it's the complete opposite of fast fashion. And and I was really interested in his take on 
you know, how do you almost like so the self-care side of things? And he was sort of like, well, I just get on with it. And how he was acknowledging as well, like, oh, maybe that's going to end, you know, not so well for me, but I feel kind of OK. And that you picked up on the that meditative practice. And, you know, we talk about the different ways to keep yourself well and being creative, taking notice of things and doing meditative activities is really good for your health, isn't it? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And his job is is immersed in that. So yeah, he's got a really good way of showing others how even, he hadn't been diagnosed as dyslexic until his 40s, but even with that, he was able to adapt and be creative in the way he managed his way, navigated his way, I suppose, through his school life, through higher education. He just kept going and kept going. And even when he didn't feel supported by fellow students, he just kept going because he knew this was, he felt anyway, that this was his last chance. This was the degree that had to work for him, that had to give him the career and income that he wanted and the lifestyle that he wanted. And he loves it. He loves textiles. He loves weaving. He loves working with quality, quality wools and yarns. And so, yeah, he he's a great guy. And I, I really hope that success keeps him going. You know, he keeps being successful in what he's doing. And I think that, it seems to be a bit of a theme with these creative people who are successful in different ways that they've overcome those obstacles of you know this isn't the first time that someone said that they you know didn't do well at school or thought they were thick at school using his word and and having to be yeah like you said be creative in terms of developing coping skills and then having that revelation moment where you know getting a diagnosis that makes things make more sense and I think when he said about you know, where he's at with his career. And it is really amazing. His studio is well worth a visit. It's a beautiful place. Um, I wonder if the fact that he wasn't supported by his fellow students, that made him more focused, more determined. Did it make him sort of really dig deep and just get on and get on and get on and keep going? You know, I have to keep going. And that, that shows the strength of character, doesn't it? It shows a real determination and strength that has carried him through all of that, because that must have been about three or four years of not being supported and people being quite unkind to him, it sounds like. You know, but he's he's come out of that, and it is this person who's very open, very inclusive, wants people to come to his studio, teaches people, learn how not to teach by the Newcastle experience. You know, it was all really fascinating stuff. He used that phrase, I'm glad I went through that you know the Newcastle experience and I thought that was interesting because he sort of thought on the spot you know that was a really terrible experience but I'm glad I went through that and that also seems to be a bit of a theme where if you can reflect on those hard times and say actually I'm glad I went through that and it's kind of you know that old phrase of being character building it's Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's important and I think something that feels important is that you maybe agree with me on this, but pushing through and how healthy that is. Mm. And I think it sounded like he had a bit of concern about that, but, and I, and I see how that's been a survival mechanism for him, but yeah, I don't know whether you had any thoughts about that. Pushing through is a a phrase I really, when I'm working with clients who say, well, I just pushed through what it means, what it represents to me is that they have buried the emotion and the feeling deep and they have put blinkers on their eyes and they've kept going. Now, they've done it in order to survive whatever they've they've had to deal with or overcome. But it also means that they've been deprived 
of getting support that they really could have done with in that moment. So when somebody's pushed through, they might have had to do that in that moment, but I would like them to then reflect and speak about it so that they can be held, nurtured, supported, whatever they need in order to make sense of what happened, sort of soothe themselves in that way, and then move on again. Yeah, it's an interesting one. James talked about feeling excluded, feeling on the periphery often, where there's a lot of women involved in not just weaving and textile arts, but also in crafting as a whole. Now, of course, we're talking generally here. There will be people who are women uh, who are very much open to being inclusive to everybody. But James's experience was very much that he felt on the edge looking in, not allowed to be involved. Oh, can I come to that was an example? No, it's only for women. Now, that's a really hard thing as a woman for me to hear, because, of course, women have have often felt that they've not been allowed to join in with things like when when golf clubs in Scotland were for men only and things like that, that some really talented golfers, female golfers wanted to join. But no, we don't we don't take women here, you know. So there's been experiences of women having a similar thing happen to them where I would have hoped at this stage in our evolving uh, understanding of gender and things, we would have come to the realisation that everybody needs to be involved in everything for things to be open and healthy and function well. And yet that's not been James's experience, which is a shame. And yet he's very clear about the fact that the women he engages with, the women he works with, he absolutely loves them. And he's got some really dear friends that are female. I agree with um, a lot of what he said. I really respect his experience and I understand what he's saying. And he's, you know, he's obviously... He is inclusive and that must be hard to be someone who is inclusive and and feels like a marginalised, he's in a marginalised group. I think women's spaces, it's it's controversial sometimes. I think historically, in recent history, I think it's been really important. And in certain fields, I think women only spaces is, is really important. And, you know, trans women are included in that as well. I think I, I understand why these spaces exist in business and um, and, you know, maybe craft can be part of that as well. And I think for me, the generational marginalization of women that's led to less opportunities to earn money, you know, over the years in history um, generally has meant that, you know, they talk about the, the gender pay gap and and that can be bit complicated to look at but it it basically you know women are maybe overall earning less money and I and I know that that doesn't kind of play out all the time individually but I think that's where the importance of women only groups um comes in but it's a shame on a on a personal level that he's felt excluded uh-huh. yeah I kind of I I get it I get why there has to be a woman only group but I'm sad for him that that's his experience individually and he's had that um he's had such a difficult challenging experience throughout his career in education uh-huh. and it's a shame yeah. that something else on top of it but again determination to keep going and produce beautiful work and to offer teaching in a lovely environment and running all these these different courses and classes and exhibitions good on him so despite that he's Mm. really in my opinion been a great success and is a great success at what he does no it was a really good and and it was a 
it, it just so different to what I, I don't know what I imagined, but it was just different to how I imagined that that conversation would go. And I like it when that happens because I'm like, oh, that was a surprise. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I enjoyed yeah. that. Thanks for listening to In Conversation with Kathleen. I really hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy making these episodes. In the hope that someone else benefits from listening to the show, please like, subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you again next time. Thanks for listening.